Welcome to the Milk and Honey with Lemon podcast. I'm your host, Lemon Price, creator of the Holy Girl Habits, wife and mama, and certified life and leadership coach who turned away from corporate life to embrace kingdom leadership. This podcast is for Christian women feeling the weight of their divine callings, grappling with doubts of their leadership abilities, and searching tirelessly for biblically grounded guidance who want to step confidently into their roles as radiant kingdom leaders. Inside, we're going to traverse from those feelings of uncertainty and overwhelming searches, moving toward firm biblical leadership, empowering you to steward your gifts and showing you that you indeed have what it takes. So sister, grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea and let's dive in together. Welcome back to the Milk and Honey Podcast. I'm your host, Lemon Price, and I am so excited because today I have my friend Jill Ng here. She is the founder of the Evermore Collective and the author of Never Too Broken, which is coming out when we're recording this in three days, which is very exciting. And so Jill is just constantly learning about God's heart through walking alongside those who have experienced early childhood trauma. Stemming from her love of studying the Bible, she uses scripture, metaphors, and stories from life to encourage others to see the value in themselves and others and to see how loved they are despite their imperfections. So thanks for being here, Jill. Yeah, thanks for having me, Lemon. Yeah, you want to tell us like a little bit more about you? And I would love to hear sort of the journey you went on to write this book. Yeah, that's a loaded question, Lemon. No, my name's Jill. I have um, an amazing husband who I met at Trinity when I was studying biblical studies and ministry, and my husband was getting his master's in counseling psychology. I told him we could move anywhere in the world. He wanted to move back to my hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I was mortified, but I love him more than I hate Milwaukee. We went back to Milwaukee, and I actually learned to love it again. Milwaukee actually gave us our five kids. We adopted through foster care. We adopted two kids as babies and then a sibling group when they were preschoolers. So we had, when we met the the three kids that came to us last minute, we we went from two preschoolers to five (laughs) overnight. So we had kids between two and six, five kids between two and six. It was, whew, I survived. I'm not quite sure how. But yeah, so my journey really has begun with not only my heart for God's word, which has been with me my whole life, but our journey through adoption and loving kids that have severe mental health issues and behavioral issues and disassociating brokenness from value and realizing that while brokenness is a real part of who we are as humans, it doesn't define us. It's not something that excludes us from being able to be gods. And raising these kids that rejected us and pushed us away, have been violent, have had really hard things happen. And we've actually had to have two of our kids placed in residential treatment centers, which if you've had to be on that journey, it is excruciating. And those of you that know, I hate that for them because it's just, it's a terrible thing. But God has been so faithful to us, and we, thank goodness, have been able to keep in touch with all of our kids, and they want to know us and know that they're loved, which is actually very rare for kids that live in places like this. And it's been a really cool journey. So the book became an overflow of me feeling like I had to explain why I loved my kids and why I stuck with them, explaining to others just their value and God's heart for the way that he created us, the way he gave us choices, and 
So many people ask, how do you do this? How do you wake up every day and love these kids that reject you and are angry with you and have put you in danger? And we just keep talking about the fact that God put himself in danger and sacrificed his most beloved thing for me. So if I'm going to allow that to be really what I'm living for, is a resp- my life is a response to what God's done in my life, what does that look like? And so this book is more of a resource to say, hey, if you're trying to love people that are difficult to love, if you're trying to um, do things that are really hard and uncomfortable for you, then you are really on the right track. And so it takes us through the journey of adjusting our view of brokenness, aligning ourselves with God's heart, and then talking about not only our own personal healing and how to practically do that, but then how to walk alongside others in their healing. And And so that's been a really cool journey of figuring out how to explain it and how to organize that kind of information because there's so much to say about it all. And it's been a really cool journey, one I didn't expect to be on, but here I am. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I didn't even know those things about you and how you came to write this book. That is, it's intense. It's hard. It's hard when your children have gone through something. I know my boys have walked through some like tough things and it's hard to see the way it manifests and to see the way that they think about themselves because of the things that they've had to walk through. Right. Um, so I love that. This is why you wrote it. And yeah. something you said that I feel like I, I really loved that you said is separating the brokenness from the value. I would love if you could elaborate a little bit more on brokenness and inherent yeah. value. And then how does that, how does that also come into our spiritual and emotional growth and all those kind of fun things? Yeah. I'm a philosophical person, so I can be quite heavy for a lot of people. So I'll try to stay on in the human world, if you will. But I just, I find that the more we learn about other people, the more we see God's heart, right? So if we get to know a variety of people that are very different and have different giftings and have different abilities, then you get to learn different parts about who God is. If we exclude people from learning from them, if we choose not to learn from a certain kind of person, from a certain background, from a certain history, who has made a certain mistake, then we'd be excluding pretty much every Bible hero that we've ever looked at. I have this chapter in the book that I love the name so much that I, I, I've considered writing a different book just because I want this to be the title. The, the title is called We're Defined by God, but the little subtitle is Murderers, Adulterers, and Other Bible Heroes. Because if you look at the Bible, it is full of these broken humans who are incredibly unsure of their value. There is, I can't even think of one biblical person except Jesus. He definitely knew who he was, but anyone else that had sure faith in what God was doing and really believed that they were worth being used by God. And I think that is exactly why God uses certain people is because they're aware of their inability to do anything without the Lord. And to me, that's what I'm excited about talking about this separating shame and guilt and remorse. Shame is one of those things. Those words are just very easily interchanged, right? People so frequently say, oh, I feel so badly about that. I'm so ashamed of myself. And if you read scripture throughout, 
their shame is totally reprimanded. It is something that we need to get rid of. We need to not live in shame. And our culture, especially church culture, unfortunately, has convinced people that they need to feel ashamed when they're wrong. And what God wants us to do is not feel shame, but feel guilt. Guilt is responsibility. Something that I really like about my book, I had a focus group that walked alongside me. And one of the suggestions that I got was to make little, like little definition boxes throughout to make sure that we're all on the same page as to what different things mean. And one of the sections, like I said, breaks down shame, guilt, and remorse. Shame being, it communicates, I'm bad. <laughs> guilt says, I did a bad thing. And then remorse is, I don't like that I did a bad thing. I'm going to do something about it, basically. I didn't have a book in front of me, but that idea of saying it commu- everything we do communicates something and how we feel and how we react, how we treat ourselves based on our behavior communicates what we believe about who God is. And so I try to walk through the different ways that God expresses his heart and how to translate the way that he expresses explained value. I use Hosea as a huge example. If you've read about Hosea, you learn that he was challenged to love a sex worker who he knew would be promiscuous after their marriage. And God used that as a metaphor about how much he loves us. And I keep, I have a friend who's listening to my audiobook right now and she just texted me and she goes, whoo, chapter eight, which is about Hosea. And about other things, because I use a lot of like my own life stories, my things that have happened with my kids, things that have happened in pop culture, all that, but also a lot of biblical um, references. And she goes, I've never heard anything about Hosea like that. And it just made me so excited about what God put in me. And you think about all these horrible things that you've been through and people that have abused you and have hurt you, walking with them and saying, okay, I've done this for, we've been walking with these kids for eight years. And I just felt like, how, what are we going to do with all this information? Our kids are moved to the ones with really hard behaviors and mental health issues moved out. And I'm like, Lord, there's nothing left for me to do now. Like I can't be with my kids every day. I can't show them how important they are to me. And he said, oh, Jill, there are a lot of people that don't believe they have value. And then he brought me in his word to different things and reminded me of all these different people that didn't know their value and how God walked with each one and showed them their unique value and how it's different than other people's value. And I think he gives us that resource in his word to learn how to accept the fact that we matter to him. And I think that's just a journey we each need to go on over and over again because our world tells us we're not enough. We're living in a culture that says, If you make a mistake, we're going to cancel you. I think we need to be living in a culture that says, yeah, you messed up just like Moses, just like Noah, just like David. If you think about canceling broken people, I don't know about you, but Psalm 51 is one of my favorite Psalms. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Align my spirit with yours. These powerful words that we talk about all the time that are in so many different worship songs is what he wrote right after he had an affair and confessed to Nathan that he had a woman's husband killed. He's confronted brutally by Nathan. And I write about that too. And then David's response is, yeah, I've sinned. And then he writes this beautiful psalm that we all use. 
So we can't discount people that make mistakes. We need to discount people that have no remorse. And we need to say, oh, you don't have remorse. Okay, we're going to hold you closer (laughs) until you have remorse. And if you don't have remorse, we're going to love you so hard and so obnoxiously that you're going to, it's going to be harder for you than if you had remorse. And then once they have remorse, we can say, great, let's get to work. Let's buckle up. So then I want us to be able to see each other in that way and say, okay, we like, we have this mutual understanding. We both sin. We're both broken. We both suck at life. (laughs) Yep. That's how it's supposed to be. So now that we both suck at life, how do we walk alongside each other and learn more about God's heart? And so that's, I think, how I want people to walk away is with this view of David, with this view of Hosea, and understanding that the Bible is not just a thing we have to read. It's a place where we can just sit in God's love and understand him more clearly. And that's that should be our goal. It should be sitting in God's grace and love for each of us because he delights in us. And while that's shocking and really hard to comprehend because the world's telling us we're horrible and doing everything wrong, we need to learn there's not a right way to do things except to be able to sit in the truth that you're loved and and matter. Big answer to a small question. (laughs) No, I love that. I love that because I wanted to talk about there's a ton of there's a ton of stigma around brokenness. And seeking help and exposing vulnerabilities that you have, especially in the online space, especially for women, Mm -hmm. right? There's this pressure, I think, from society to be picture perfect all the time. You can't Mm -hmm. mess up. You can't say the wrong thing. You can't give your kid too much screen time. You can't do there's a I could give you a longer list of what we can't do than what we can do. And It's a long list. (laughs) It's a lengthy list. And so how do we as women navigate around this stigma around brokenness and vulnerability and things? And how do we actually go and seek help and seek healing? Yeah, that's, yeah. I talk very early on in my book about when I believed that I was worthy of speaking and writing it was when I was at my friend's, my mentor's 70th birthday party. And I sat in her living room. She had invited everybody specifically because they were people that she really loved and valued. And she asked all of us for wisdom. And we're all there. We come to you for our wisdom. <laughs> and she wanted something from us. And I happened to be the last person. I sat next to that, my friend who lo- who actually wrote my foreword, who loves to go first. And I was like, let's go the other way, guys. And I'm clearly the youngest person in the room by appearances. And just listening to these women go on and on about her boldness, her bravery, her accountability. And I'm sitting here just in the, this is just a couple months ago, I'm in the weeds of not having enough courage to get my hands dirty with this book. And all I'm hearing is all these qualities of myself that I had been told are not okay as a woman in the church, being bold, being brave, convicting others, holding them accountable. They want us to hold our kids accountable, but not the leadership in our church. Why is that? And the question is, why can't I use the gifts that God's given me? Is it because I'm saying something wrong or because I'm making you uncomfortable? And what I've learned through that experience was I make a lot of people uncomfortable. It might be because of my neurodivergence. It could be because I have a lot to say, 
but I thought everybody hated me until the last several years. Walking through foster care and getting really close with some awesome humans because I desperately needed support and prayed about getting people in my corner who would not just tell me I was great, but would help me see that I was okay and that I was trying my best and that I can't rescue and heal my kids, but I can lean on the one who can, really led me to remember and have to choose every day to acknowledge that I'm not my kid's savior. We already have a savior in our story. We don't need another one. And so how do I sit down and say, if I'm willing to submit to God, I'm willing to say I screwed up, I'm willing to say I'm broken, then I should be able to come to a leader and say, wow, you're not walking the way that you say you're going to, you want to be walking. How do I come alongside you? And so this first book, it actually was two. It's been broken into two resources. So this first one is about that personal healing and walk alongside others. And then I have another book that's going to be coming out hopefully in the next year. I haven't calculated it yet, Lemon, but it's pretty much half written, but it's all about church healing. And I do touch on in my book about just past church hurt. My introduction is, I actually start with this letter that I wrote to the church that isn't very nice, but I wrote it during COVID basically saying, church, knock it off. Stop hiding. We know you don't have it together. We know you're a mess. Stop pretending. I'm so tired. And then I walk through my different church experiences. And then I I come into this kind of my journey of owning who I am and allowing myself to be imperfect but not shutting down who I am. And I don't want anybody to be like me. (laughs) Like we have enough Jill-ing in the world. We don't need any more Jill-ings, but we don't have enough of you. Like God created each person uniquely. We don't need to be, yes, I'm not saying like the BU culture, right? Like just do everything the way you want to do it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying embrace your brokenness, notice your weaknesses, surround yourself with incredible support and walk in who you've been created to be. And if we do that together, if we do that with that positive spin of saying, yeah, you're broken. Yeah, you suck at life. That's okay. But that's not where I'm going to let you stay. That can be transformative in the church. And I think we could look a lot more like the early church if we were able to do that. And we would stop saying, wow, you're a woman. You can't speak. Or wow, you're too broken. You messed up too big. We'll say, Wow, what did you learn when you made that mistake? Think of Gordon McDonald. I refer to him in my other book because it was a part of this book, but then got moved over. But Gordon McDonald is this guy that had an affair. They found out at his church and he said, okay, move me on staff to somewhere where I can still use my gifts. I don't know if he said it or somebody else said it, but somebody said, we want to keep you on staff. You can't be the senior pastor anymore, but you have to, you're staying on staff. And they didn't push him out. They didn't cancel him. They said, you matter. You care about what happened. Let's rehabilitate you in a way. And I think in the context of the church and just Christians, I'm talking about global church here. In the context of the global church of people who love Jesus and are following him, we need to be saying, you matter more than your mistakes. You are not defined by your brokenness. You are defined by God. And that does not excuse you from making sinful choices. Like, from being having to deal with the consequences. And that's what I walk through is reconciliation is a huge part of healing. But I think the big thing is to say, yes, I'm a woman. Yes, I'm 
unheard, but I'm not the one that needs to be heard. I'm not the one that needs my voice. I just pray that if someone doesn't listen to me, that God speaks to them a different way. I don't care if I'm the voice. I don't, I actually (laughs) begged my folk. I created the focus group to try to convince people to tell everybody that was bothering me, my husband, my mom, my, a couple of my friends who had read parts of my book that I had left out or whatever, who said, you need to publish this. And I said, no, thanks. So I, I created a focus group to try to convince them that I shouldn't publish. And now I'm going on these podcasts that I stumbled upon in that podcaster group that my friend convinced me to join. And she goes, just post once. And if anybody goes on and wants you on, great. If not, it's fine. And she's, okay, do three posts this week. If you do three posts. And I'm like, okay. Because she's, you don't have something to share, but God does through you. And if you limit what God wants to do through you, then he can't move the way that he wants to. And he's moved so much in your life. He's moved so much in your kid's life. He de- he deserves that glory for that work. And so instead of shushing myself like us women do, because we've been trained to, read She Deserves Better by uh, Sheila, I think it's Sheila Ray Gregoire, I think. It's like ridiculously good. I don't know her or anything, but that book is incredible. But it reminds us that we've been manipulated intentionally and unintentionally based on where you fall in the systemic issue to be quiet, to be silenced, to be put in a corner because we are convicting, because we're great at accountability. And so I'm trying to help the church see that accountability is good if it's proactive and if it's loving. And so us as women, we have this gift to hold people accountable. We do it all day with our kids, right? So why aren't we using that skill to support and encourage leaders and just each other when we fail? I don't know, but we need to start. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love it. So I feel like we do a whole separate episode on just like the church and healing in the church, because I think that if Paul were around, the American churches would all get a letter. They yeah. would all be getting the letter what? and I don't think they would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we have some letters. It's just that they weren't necessarily written to our exact issues, but they're there. We're going through Colossians right now. And I've been meeting with my friend who's, who's speaking at our church doing the sermons. And every week I'm like, dude, this is written to America. This is written to us. It's saying, stop blending, blending your cultures. Stop apologizing for your faith. Stop listening to people who tell you that you're not enough. We got letters. We just got to listen. We just got to read them. And I think we have a Bible illiterate culture. And so I have a friend who read it and one of my focus group people. And she said, I think my favorite thing about this book is that there's so much scripture. And I'm like, yeah, because I've learned that people don't know these stories and they need a little help understanding the context. But if you read it in the midst of relating it to life, it's so much easier to swallow because it's such a different world. We're not used to living in tents and being, what are they called? People that just walk, what is it called when you like move all the time? Oh, like um, a nomad? Thank you, nomads. So then I'm a great writer. I have lots of words. No, I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> no, like being nomadic is like a totally different culture. So if you don't understand that, we don't even live in proximity to people the way that they did in the early church. So understanding, we don't walk everywhere like Jesus did. There's so many things we don't understand that make us think we can't understand scripture, but we can. It's not that hard. You just need somebody who's done a little bit of the research to lay a groundwork, but then you got to get in the word. You can't just trust on people to be your gateway to God. That ended 
in the Old Testament, we don't need other people to stand in between us and God. We can go directly to him. And I think that's something we need to embrace together as a culture. Mm, I love that, friend. I love this so much. We should support. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Okay. So, Jill, if you could leave our listeners with a final piece of advice, what would it be, my friend? Oh, advice. I think don't count yourself out. I think if you think you're underqualified, then you're probably one of the more qualified people in the room. I just, I really believe that you're one of the more qualified people in the room if you're willing to say that you're not worthy. And so if you feel like you're not good enough, you're in a great spot for the Lord to use you. Something that's one of my friends, I wrote benedictions for a couple of the chapters in my draft in January. And my editor, who's a close friend of mine also, she sat me down and said, it's time to write benedictions for every chapter. And it's one of my favorite parts of the book. And so if you don't, I have resources on my website that are from the book because I'm not looking to make money here. I'm looking to resource the church. And so I have free resources on my website, theevermorecollective.com. But my heart is to say, hold each other accountable because people matter. Don't shy away from loving others. And those benedictions of may you love well, may you be people who are not afraid to be obedient. So many benedictions, but I would just ask you to pray those kinds of things over yourself and say, Lord, may I be obedient. May I be brave. May I have courage to own my weakness so that you can give me strength. Yeah, that'd be my big advice. I love that. Jill, thank you for being here. Where can everybody go to connect with you? And y'all, I will link all of it in the show notes for you, but where can everybody go find you, Jill? Yeah, the evermorecollective.com is my my home base, if you will. It's got books I like to read. It has resources for foster and adoption. I have a podcast on there that's called You Have What It Takes. And that's for people that love kids that have been through early childhood trauma and really people. <laughs> it can apply to adults that have been through early childhood trauma too. But it talks about the lies we believe and mostly that people believe that have been through trauma and how to combat those with scripture and love and peace. And then also my books up there. And then I also am on Facebook. I'm Jill Ng or the Evermore Collective. And then over on Instagram, I'm Jill of the Seven Ings because there's seven of us in our family. My last name is just those two letters, guys. My husband's Chinese, if that helps at all with your brain. But uh, yeah, Jill Ng and Jill of the Seven Ings. So yeah, I'd love to connect with you guys. I'd love to help out. I do have like links to speak or to um, get books or podcasts or whatever all up on my website. So go nuts. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Jill. And I just really appreciated your insights today. And I'm just so grateful that we got to be here. So until next time, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Milk and Honey with Lemon podcast. I am so grateful you were here. I hope this episode has helped you move from feelings of doubt and uncertainty towards stepping confidently into your God-given leadership role, fully equipped with biblical wisdom. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to reach and inspire more Christian women leaders just like you. Don't forget to share your takeaways, post it on Instagram, tag me anywhere you're on social media, and I'll see you next week.